You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. Hello, and welcome to the final broadcast of The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show for the year 2020. This is New Year's Eve 2020. And I want to tell you a little bit about what we are doing to celebrate the end of one year and the beginning of another year. So this is the end of a very tumultuous year. I think it has been a disruptive period for everyone concerned. I have yet to find anybody who says, oh no, this was no big deal. It was the best year of my life. This was great. This was fine. Like the dog in the meme who is surrounded by flames and has a placid look on his face. This is fine. I have yet to find anybody who has said that about this year. Everybody has, to some degree or another, just gritted their teeth and borne it. Our elected leaders, our pop culture icons, our media personalities, our neighbors, our friends, our Romans, our countrymen have lost their collective minds to some extent or another at some point or another this year. Some of us have rediscovered our minds, have regained our equilibrium. We have uh, found our northern uh, star, our north star, and we have uh, maintained course despite major disruptions. But a lot of us have fallen off the boat and are flailing about still in the waters hoping that the beginning of 2021 marks a turning of the page, a closing of the book. We can leave this whole debacle behind us. Let me tell you, folks, it will not be the end of tumult or disruption that this year is coming to a close and a new one begins tomorrow. There will be plenty to sort out in the new year. And the way that we sort out what happens tomorrow, moving forward, is by making some meaningful understanding of what happened already, what has happened, how did we relate to the course of events, how did we respond to changing circumstances. We have to apprehend that, we have to come to some meaningful conclusions about it. And so part of the way that I have come to do that, the habit and routine and ritual that I have developed over the years is that I make an assessment of all of the major events of the year as far as our family is concerned. If it's a major event in the country and in the world, then I mark it and how it related to us. There were a lot of things that happened on the macro this year that directly impacted our small-scale micro situation. And it is interesting to me to note just how many people are surprised at my process when I say, hey, this is what uh, I do. I make a list of all of the major events of the year. I categorize them. I put them into pots, if you will, as far as different aspects of our life and our well-being, our spiritual, our financial, our relational, our social, our professional, our whatever, all of these different aspects of life, our health from a physical standpoint, our medical health, our family uh, dynamics. 
if a child is born, if a child um, is miscarried, as happened this past year, we had two miscarriages, had no uh, births we were expecting to welcome a child into this world before the year's end. Uh, actually, on two occasions we were expecting, and in both cases, the pregnancy did not go according to our plans, but we trust that there is a God who rules and reigns over the universe and over our lives and that he cares for us. He watches over us. He knows the number of hairs on our heads. And it was according to his plan that this thing happened. That doesn't mean that he did it. It doesn't mean that he is the one at fault. It doesn't mean that we blame God for our pain and for our suffering and for our confusion and for our disappointment. But it means that for whatever pleasing purpose of his, he allowed us to have two miscarriages, one which was ectopic and which was traumatizing, quite honestly, because it meant that uh, my wife uh, not only lost the child, but also almost lost her life, and I almost lost my wife. My children almost lost their mother, but uh, there was also the fact that we had expectations of welcoming a little boy or a little girl to our family of seven children and having that number increase to eight children. We were expecting that, and it did not come to pass. So I mark that down at the end of this year, and I look at not just what happened, because all kinds of events are happening around us all the time, which <clears throat> are not things that we change necessarily. It's not that we are directly responsible for all of the things that happen around us because that's not realistic. We are not God. We are men and women and children, and we are finite beings. God is infinite, but we are finite. And so we don't get to dictate all of what comes to be known as reality. We can self-identify as a big purple unicorn if we want to, and we can recategorize and rename and define down all of the, the things that uh, we don't like about life around us. We can say, oh, no, that's not what this is. This is this. And we can be delusional if we want, or we can have far loftier ideas of uh, our circumstances than accord with reality. We can present whatever face we want to to our friends on social media or in real life. But at the end of the day, we are finite. And so how did we respond? How did we relate to these things? Did we have a chance to be proactive? In which case, did we do all that we could to anticipate things coming down the pike and then respond appropriately? Were we caught flat-footed? And in that case, should we moving forward have more realistic expectations that this is just something that happens? This is part of life and we need to understand it rightly. Why does this happen? And when it happens, what should we do? And moving forward, <clears throat> how then should we live? Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of the days, for the days are evil, how do we do whatever our hand finds to do with all our strength as unto the Lord? How do we work as unto the Lord, not for men? Because we know that God is going to reward those who diligently persevere. So this year, some of the major events uh, that happened to us included miscarriages, included recovery from uh, surgery. My wife had knee surgery in the summer of 2019. We moved to Greeley, Colorado from eastern Montana after seven and a half years of living in eastern Montana. 
we moved to this new state, almost a new country, with very different people in many cases, uh, some people less different than we were expecting, because Weld County, northeastern Colorado, is more conservative than we had expected when we were considering the move. But there was a lot of adjustment this year. There was a lot of getting settled in. There was a lot of getting to know people. There was a lot of meeting uh, new folks and then deciding how do we want to relate to these people? How do we want to develop a relationship, a friendship? How do we want to be on our guard for some people? How do we want to draw close to some people? And so that was an interesting disruption. But on the whole, as my wife and I were looking at our personal organizers for the year, we have the Inc. Plus Volt uh, brand organizers that we bought at the beginning of 2020. And I'm so glad that we did because at the end of the year, we're looking back through and we're able to properly assess what all happened, not just what happened, but how did we respond to it? How did we relate to it? And are we happy with the results as far as it depended on us as much as depends on you strive to live peaceably with all men we read that in the scriptures did we live peaceably with all men also did we live peaceably with the circumstances did we respond appropriately to what there was for us to respond to I think in general, we can look back on the year 2020 as being difficult, as being challenging, but we can feel a sense of gratitude toward God that he brought us through it. And we can feel a sense of optimism that even though there were difficult and trying and unpleasant and even painful circumstances, God works all things to the good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. We believe that. We believe that as Christians, we are loved by God and we are called according to his purpose. We believe that we are here for a purpose, on purpose, we need to live. And so we believe that even this year of 2020, with all of its challenges, all of its difficulties, all of its disruptions, God has a plan and a purpose to work this for the good. And he has a plan and a purpose for us to work this to the good. Now, that isn't any nonsense about how everything's fine we're the dog that is just saying this is fine as the world is burning around him. And yet it is to say that we do not despair. We do not mourn as those who have no hope because we trust that God is able to make all things new again and that he will. We trust his promise that he will make things new again. When we look at the big macro world history, how is this all going to go down eventually? from the scriptures, we see that there will be a destruction of the world, of the heavens and the earth. At some point, God will say, that's it, game over. Here are the winners, here are the losers. He was keeping score of whose names were written in the book of life, who belonged to his son, Jesus. And those people, those good and faithful servants will enter into their place of rest and God will make a new heavens and a new earth. He will refresh everything. But before that comes, he does bring an end to the corruption. He does bring an end ultimately 
to the sin and the vice and the death and the dying and the suffering, ultimately on the other end of the end, there is an eternal life that greets us that we have to look forward to. We have a fulfillment of his original purpose that is good in which we read in Genesis that he says that everything that he had made was good. And after he makes man, everything is very good. God makes man in his image and he gives this command, this dominion mandate to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And so what are we doing? We read that command reaffirmed after God destroys the world with a flood. He destroys every living thing that walked on the land and flew in the skies. Everything was corrupted by sin. The earth was filled with violence in Noah's day. And after God destroys everyone but Noah and his family and the animals that were gathered two by two into the ark, God reiterates that command to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. He reiterates the dominion mandate to Noah and his family. And we believe that when we read in Jeremiah 29, 7, that we should seek the welfare of the city to which God, our Lord, has brought us in our exile, that we should multiply and not decrease, that we should build houses and live in them, we should plant gardens and eat of eat of their produce, that we should have families and we should give our children someday in marriage so that they can have families. We multiply and do not decrease. We seek the welfare of the city to which God has brought us, for in its welfare is our welfare. We do this and we exercise that dominion mandate. And so we should be looking, I think, at 2021 and asking what are the opportunities here for good stewardship? What are the good Uh, opportunities that we have in the midst of disruption, in the midst midst of uh, creative destruction. What are our options to remake our lives, to rebuild our homes maybe, perhaps, to replant our gardens, to multiply and not decrease? What are our options moving forward to serve God with greater intentionality? How do we move on from this and not look back like Lot's wife on the destruction of Sodom and find ourselves turned into a pillar of salt. It's good to be salt and light, not so good to be turned into a pillar of salt. That was not a uh, high point for the family of faith in Lot's uh, situation. But we need to move forward looking at this climate, looking at the country as it now stands, as people are losing their collective minds, as our leaders have embraced a kind of insanity, which sees no need for fiscal responsibility, which sees no uh, limit to how much money we can print. We cannot spend our way out of this. We have to work. And you cannot tell people to stay home and not work and collapse your economy and destroy people's livelihoods and depress them by telling them that they're non-essential and that the only thing that they have to fear is COVID. So much for Franklin Roosevelt's, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Now we are told the only thing we have to fear is COVID, and that is not a compelling narrative. Now, one of the rules, according to Niccolo Machiavelli, of the wise prince who wants to hold on to power is you can be feared, but you do not want to be both hated and feared. And so you leave the people 
B when it comes to their property, and you leave the people B when it comes to their women. You don't mess with their women, don't mess with their property. You avoid those two pitfalls in the process of being feared, and you will also avoid being hated. And what we have found in the course of this year is that our rulers have messed with our property. They're hyperbolizing it, and they're making a case for socialism nakedly. Socialism in this year is not just a passing madness because socialism has been around for quite some time in this country and in this world that we live in, in the modern world. And so you have a lot of socialists who are thinking this is the time, this is the moment, this is what we've been waiting for. And even where they weren't willing to wait anymore to see if things would just get worse on their own, they've been willing and happy and eager and ready to pour gasoline on the fires, to start the fires, in some cases quite literally, and hope that such fires turn into an opportunity. You burn the Reichstag, you blame the communists, and guess what? You ride to power on the wave of discontent and anger and outrage. And so we have to be careful here, I think, moving forward, that we're not too quick to join the cries for crucify him toward any one particular person. And yet, on the other hand, we have to recognize that People have been tried and tested in this circumstance. People have been weighed and measured and found wanting. Tyrants have shown themselves to be tyrannical when given power, when grabbing power, making arbitrary rules, drunk on power, because at a certain point they realized that they liked it. They got a taste of power and they realized that it tasted good. And they need to be reminded that they are not God. It really does come down to that. Caesar's Lord got the early Christian church in trouble because it was something they could not say. Jesus is Lord was what they believed, according to the Gospels. That is what made them Christians. And when the Roman tradition was to say that Caesar is Lord and to burn incense to him and to honor him in a worshipful fashion, Christians could not go along with that. They were happy to obey the call to honor the emperor insofar as they were honoring a man who was in authority, who God had put in authority, but they were not able to go so far as worshiping him. And just so, we need to remind our rulers, whether they are elected, whether they are bureaucrats, whether they are just opportunists who are trying to bark orders and hoping that people will uh, not pay any attention to that man behind the curtain and realize that they are not some powerful wizard they're an imposter, they're a mountebank. We need to be pulling back curtains and saying, au contraire, you are not God. You are not this wizard that you have pretended to be. You're a mountebank. We need to not listen to those people. We need to be obeying God. We need to be listening to God. And if we do that, we find very quickly that things are not disrupted quite so much as we at first imagined. And maybe, just maybe, we have found our faith weighed, measured, and found wanting in some regards. And it is time to go back to the drawing board and to get into the scriptures and be Bereans about the things that we believed, to search them daily to see whether these things are so or were so. And if not, moving forward, we need to believe, we need to worship God according to truth. In spirit and in truth is the way that God wants to be worshipped. Obedience is better than sacrifice, and we might just find 
that if we trust God and if we obey his word, whether or not it seems like the most pragmatic, the most practical, factoring a real God who lives and is sovereign over the affairs of men is actually the most practical thing you could do if indeed he exists, if indeed he is who he says he is in the Bible. It is the most practical thing in the world to fear him and to honor him and to obey him and to trust him and to find our refuge in him, to take refuge in him. Whoever trusts in God will be safe according to the Proverbs. The fear of man, meanwhile, lays a snare. So don't be afraid of the mob. The mob is freaking out because it doesn't know God. It flees when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. And so we need to be bold as a lion. So you can hear in the background my children, and I'll just say to, as a aside, I have been, I think, too anxious about recording when my children are up and about, but that's life, right? The fact is that I am a father of seven who has a busy schedule. I have a lot of things that I'm doing. I work full time in the oil and gas industry. I have things going on, and it's just not tenable to wake up early and only record when my children are all asleep. I don't think here they are, they're awake, they're alive, and that's a good thing. That's a beautiful thing. I want to remember when I go back and I listen to the last broadcast of the year 2020, I want to hear my children laughing in the background. I want to hear them happy because I think that that should also give us some hope. God has given us a kind of grace as parents particularly as Christian parents, we can train our children up in the way that they should go because we have God's word. You know, I just finished up a book. I actually, I just hit publish on Kindle Direct Publishing. As I was recording this, I had it up on the one side of my screen. I have the microphone voice recorder app up on the other side of my screen. And I did it there while I was talking, actually. That's the kind of multitasking that I'm doing here lately. I hit publish. I'd gotten everything ready over the past several weeks. I finished up the manuscript as far as the rough draft over Thanksgiving. I was working every bit that I could the past week and a half during my vacation, supposed vacation that I got called out uh, during more often than not. Worked a lot of hours, even though I was technically off. I finished up the manuscript over Thanksgiving. I edited the manuscript a couple of times through over Christmas. And here on New Year's Eve, I have submitted the book to Kindle Direct Publishing for publishing. It will retail on the the paperback version anyways. It will retail for $14.92. $14.92 was a good year for human history, in my opinion. The uh, anti-Christopher Columbus crowd... They can uh, just be triggered, I guess. I am happy to charge fourteen ninety two for my book, and if it triggers them, all the better. I'm trolling them, actually, with the price that I set for, and this is why we homeschool. Just going to be honest with you. I'm going to be upfront, and I'll see if I can pick a uh, fun number to charge for the Kindle uh, reader, e-reader version. And uh, and then also for the audiobook version. I've got the audiobook version in the works. I am recording it. And once that is ready, I will be putting that up on Audible. And you can listen to the book, not just read it. Whatever your chosen format is, I'd like to play a little game with the price that I set. I was having a hard time 
that's really what it comes down to. Somebody will think, oh, Garrett, that's really funny or that's really irritating that you just were whimsical about it and you just picked a price and you're trolling people with your price. How are you expecting to get books sold that way? But actually the truth of it is I was sitting there and I was thinking, oh, man, like how much should I charge for this book, honey? I asked my wife last night, how much should I charge for this book? Well, I don't know. How much are people that are selling similar books charging for their books? Well, I don't know. I mean, there's a wide range, right? There's some people that are charging $13.20. For instance, The Brave Learner, Finding Everyday Magic in Homeschooling, Learning, and Life by Julie Bogart. Uh, She is selling her paperback version for $13.20, but the list price was $17, so you save $3.80. And I thought to myself, well, I could charge $17 or $19.99, and I could mark it down down the road so that people feel like they're getting a good deal. I'm going to charge $100, but you can get it for the low, low price of $25. You just saved $75. And those people that are taken in by such things, who are like me, because I'm taken in by such things, they'll buy it and they'll say, ah, I got a really good deal. I saved $75 on this book. Uh, Homeschool Bravely, How to Squash Doubt, Trust God, and Teach Your Child with Confidence by Jamie Erickson. She is selling her paperback for $9.34, list price $14.99. So you save $5.65. Wow, that's 38%. You're saving on her book. That's pretty fantastic. Uh, I thought about selling my book in a similar fashion, and maybe I still will. We'll see how it does, how uh, successful in a uh, marketing standpoint it is, uh, selling it for... 1492. We'll see just how many people think that is funny and how many people think that is very not funny. Um, but you know, I, I thought, Hey, you know what? Why not just charge 1492? People may think it's funny. Maybe they won't. I can always change it down the road and discount it. I think, I guess, presumably I can mark this down to try and deal in quantity rather than making a high margin on fewer copies sold. But uh, in any event, I mean, I, I finished the manuscript. I edited edited the manuscript. I designed my cover, and I'm really pleased with the cover. I like it. I like it a lot, personally. Not that I am uh, so terribly objective now, but my wife looked at it. She said, oh, yeah, no, that looks really good. I like that. I showed my kids, and some of them said in the common vernacular, Dad, that's sick. So... For what it's worth, my kids think that my uh, cover for And This Is Why We Homeschool is really sick. Maybe that word uh, is not quite as happy and cool and hip uh, after 2020 with COVID and all that as it once was. Maybe it's all the cooler. I don't know. Uh, My kids actually asked my son Eli, and I mentioned this on an earlier podcast. He said, Dad could you make money from this book? I said, uh, yeah, I suppose I could. Hopefully, hopefully I do. I've never made money off of my writing before. I've written for a great many years in an altruistic fashion, just hoping that the book or the, not the book, I've never written a book before and published it, but I've always hoped that my uh, blog articles and my social media posting and my podcasting and my YouTube videos and all that I've always hoped that they just made a positive difference in people's lives, and that would be the benefit. That's the reward, is that these are just doing a good deed and helping people to understand things rightly and to make sense of the world and their lives and not be anxious and all that. And in this case, this is the first time I've published something 
with the expectation that I will make at least some money off of it. Maybe I make a lot. Maybe I don't make a lot. Who knows? God knows. But my son said, Dad, could you make money off of this? <clears throat> and I said, well, yeah. Yeah, I, I could. I might. But uh, he says, man, like if it went viral, like you could make a lot of money, right? And I laughed because I thought that is just a funny way to put it that I would not have put it in when I was his age. He's 12. And when I was 12, that was not a term that was used. You don't say viral, things going viral, because it was really before the Internet age took off. Um, anyway, that's an aside. The book is out there, though. I hit publish. According to what I am reading here on Amazon Kindle Direct Publishing, they will review my book to ensure it meets KDP's guidelines for book details, content, and quality. If it passes their review, it can take up to 72 hours to be available for purchase on Amazon. If it doesn't pass their review, they will email me. During the review, the book will appear as in review on my bookshelf. You can change your book details, content, blah, blah, blah. Great. Fantastic. Wonderful. Ah, take a deep breath, breathe in, breathe out, Woosa. it's done. Buy a copy, if you buy a copy once it's live, once it's up there, Please read it and do me a huge favor. Please, 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 please write a review if it's a good review. If it's a bad review, keep it to yourself. Um, <laughs> if it's a good review, I'll put it this way. If it's a good review and you can write me a review and you can put that on Amazon, it will help immensely in me marketing this book. I've never marketed a book before. I'm not very good at that. I need your help. Please help me to get this book out there by leaving a review. Tell me honestly what you think. If you think it's a three-star, if you think it's a two-star, uh, get out. But if you think it's a four-star or a five-star, please, by all means, write a review after you've read the book and let people out there in the wider world know that this is going to be a helpful resource. I hope it is. By God's grace, I hope that it is a resource to people. It is a challenging book. Most of the books that I see out there on homeschooling are, you know, just like this one. The one that I've got up right now is really popular right now by Jamie Erickson. Homeschool Bravely, How to Squash Doubt, Trust God, and Teach Your Child with Confidence. You can tell the marketing team sat down for a couple of days to figure out that title and subtitle. It is published by Moody Publishers. Well, good job, Moody Publishers. That's really great. It's very positive. A homeschooling mom, no doubt has come up with a positive, non-threatening way of telling other homeschool moms and other prospective homeschool moms, you can do it. Here's your pep talk. And there's some of that in my book, no doubt. Absolutely no doubt about it. I have the pep talk in there. But I'm not writing as a homeschool mom. This is not tea time with your lady friends. This is man-to-man, let's have a conversation about this. I hope, really, really do hope, that a lot of men pick up this book. I'm really hoping that this book is a resource for men and that it talks to men in the way that men typically talk to each other. That it is blunt, it is direct, it is not rude, but that people that are easily offended uh, don't have any rope with which to hang me for it. This is my 
position. This is why we homeschool, and this is why we homeschool. I'm starting with the why. If Jamie Erickson wants to write a fantastic book, it probably is a fantastic book. If I'm judging a book by its cover, it's a very nice cover. It's very lovely. It looks like a blackboard with all of these happy uh, pieces of art chalked onto it. There's a clock, there's leaves from the nature study, there's math, 14 minus 7 is what? Uh, there's uh, songbooks, there's scripture, there's trees, there's a magnifying glass, there's um, something nuclear, a little drawing of a atom or something like that. There's a baseball, there's weather. I mean, there's all these little lovely things that are colorfully chalked onto this blackboard. And uh, it's just a very, it's a very attractive cover. <clears throat> and great. That's wonderful. I mean, that's, that's good. You know, like, I, by all means, homeschooling moms encourage one another. I listen in on my wife's conversations every now and then with the homeschool group, Truth, Beauty, and Goodness, that uh, we belong to now that we've moved to Greeley, Colorado. And she talks with these other moms, and they have this app that they use called Voxer. And so Voxer, the way that it works is it's kind of like instant messaging. So you can type and text from your phone or from your computer messages back and forth, but you can also record your uh, voice and then post that into the thread, and then your voice recording becomes part of kind of a, a running conversation and people that are busy and they can't make it to the Voxer call, they can go back in later and they can listen to everybody's contributions, they can read everybody's contributions, they can record their own contribution and add it into the thread and that's all really great. And I listen to that and they're very dear, sweet, intelligent, smart, helpful, encouraging ladies and the conversation that they're having is really good in its scope in the scope of that they are tackling this conversation, the purpose that they're approaching this topic of how do we homeschool our kids, how do we homeschool our kids, is the point. And there's a lot of books written by homeschooling mothers and wives. All of the books, really, are, and this is how we homeschool. This is how we do it. This is how you can do it, too, and do it bravely, right? How to squash doubt, trust God, and teach your child with confidence. I'm writing a different book. I'm writing why we homeschool. And I want the dads and I want the husbands that need to be on board with this, that need to be the heads of their homes, that need to be leading, they need to be exercising leadership in their homes. I want them to pick up this book and I want them to be persuaded because if they're persuaded that this is their time to shine, that this is their moment to rise to the occasion, this is their opportunity to set aside their hobbies for a little bit, not forever because hobbies are good, Hobbies are healthy, but set them aside for a moment and ask, are you rising to the occasion? Are you being the man of faith? Are you being the man of action that you could be? Are you leading your family well in this regard? Is there a threat? Is there a dragon that needs to be slain here? And if there is, why should you pick up your sword? Not how do you pick up your sword, not how do you fight, but why should you fight this fight? Why is this a hill worth dying on? Why is this an endeavor worth taking on? Why is this a challenge? Why is this a sacrifice that you should embrace, that you should throw yourself into? That's the kind of book that I'm writing. And yes, I hope it's encouraging. Yes, I hope it's going to have some of the questions of how answered. But first and foremost, I think Simon Sinek has it right. 
Simon Sinek is a uh, TED Talk, motivational speaker, management consultant, writes a lot of how-to and, and uh, self-help management business type books. And one of the most profound things that I think of him having contributed to the topic or the subject or the category of thought is start with why. You start with why. If you own a business, why do you have a business? If you're dealing with customer issues, why are you dealing with them in the way that you are? Start with why. If you have people to manage, why are you managing these people? Remember why. If you remember the why and you keep it in mind all the time, a lot of your questions of how and what to do will sort themselves out from the why. But you have to have a purpose first. If you don't have a sense of purpose, you won't be focused, you won't stick with it, you won't be cool, calm, and collected, you won't keep yourself from exploding, you won't keep yourself from despairing. You have to have a why here. And so anyway, that's my book. I'll stop marketing it for this morning. And I hope you pick it up. I hope you order it, order a copy. If you'd like a signed copy, let me know. Hit me up, garrettmullet at gmail.com. I can get a copy. Once this is live on Amazon, I can get uh, copies, order copies at printing cost. And then I can sign those copies and sell them to you uh, at a discounted rate if I want to. I haven't quite decided what I would charge for a signed copy of my book. I might call, you know, whatever. The the MSRP, I guess, is what you say. I'm new to this. <coughs> Forgive me. Bear with me. Uh, I might just say, hey, I'll charge you the MSRP, and then I just make more. Because <laughs> um, I'm not paying 40% of royalties. The way it works, I'll explain this real quick. Real quick. So I've learned a lot about the whole publishing process compared with what I knew, which was nothing before. Uh, tried to learn it this past couple of weeks as I was getting ready to publish. It's like, oh, yeah, I should probably figure out how the publishing thing works if I'm going to publish some books. So the way that it works on Kindle Direct Publishing is you set the price. And then depending on the price point, you can make 60% or 40% of the royalties of your book. So let's say I charge fourteen ninety two. Multiply fourteen ninety two by sixty percent, point six zero. Subtract the printing cost, which in this case was three dollars and eighty cents. I think is what it came out to, for the number of pages and the ink and all of that. So you subtract that. Whatever is left over, <clears throat> that is your take home per copy sold. So. You get 60% of the royalties, and then from your 60% of the royalties, they deduct the printing cost, and then they pocket the rest, and you pocket the rest, and that's great. So if I am buying copies myself for $3.80 per copy, they print it, I pay them to print it, I can sell those copies for full price, $14.92 or $14.99 or $15 or $14 or whatever, and I won't have to share... 40% of the royalties with Amazon. So if you want a signed copy, it's in my best interest to offer you it at a discount, or I could offer it at a premium if you think I'm a celebrity, which I'm not. Um, anyway, that's all I'll say about it. In any event, <clears throat> I hope that you had a good year. I hope that even though it was hard, I hope you can learn from it. 
look to God. Look to God for wisdom, for hope, for encouragement, for strength. You know, the Lord is our refuge. He is the one in whom we seek refuge in difficult times. We run into him. He's a strong tower. We run into him and we are safe. Whoever trusts in God is safe. So trust in God. And uh, I hope you have a happy new year, Eve. And uh, we'll see you in 2021. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you heard today, visit the homepage for On The Rocks blog at onthe.rocks. Also, check out On The Rocks blog podcast with Micah Hirschberger, weekly on Anchor FM. If you haven't yet done so, hit subscribe to this podcast also. And you can reach Garrett Ashley Mullet with any comments, questions, or complaints at garrettmullet at gmail.com.